You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. And I have an awesome guest today. She's a fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle coach and has been for the last 10 years a fierce competitor in the CrossFit space and a soon-to-be enlifted coach. I'd like you to welcome Megan Bade. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I can tell because we've been texting back and forth for a few <laughs> weeks now, talking about how awesome this is going to be, and finally it happened. So this is we it. are finally here. I know it's like a dream come true. I've been looking forward to it for weeks. So you've been busy. What what have you been up to recently? Oh man, um, there's been a lot of stuff going on recently. So um, I am working on a couple different projects. <clears throat> I actually uh, recently joined the police academy here in Michigan. Um, so I've been very busy with that alongside coaching and um, getting back into it. I took a break from coaching for a little while and uh, and I'm getting back into it. And so it's felt really good to be able to um, not only take on my own clients, but get back into cr- coaching CrossFit and being a part of the community again, which is really my favorite part about this whole thing. Yeah, we were just talking about that, how that's kind of one of the most attractive pieces of CrossFit in general is that community. Um, describe the community that you have down there. I know the people from my gym listening to this, we kind of know what our community feels and, and looks like. So what's it like down there in Michigan? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. Um, and I'm I'm biased, but uh, we, have <laughs> best, we have the best community there is. I, I've also been to... I've been a member of a lot of different CrossFit gyms <clears throat> or visited CrossFit gyms and they're all amazing. CrossFit in, it, in itself is, it is an amazing culture, if you will. Um, but our community here is, it's really tight knit and we have a lot of really talented athletes, but they have absolutely no ego. And it's Love really that. cool yeah. because everybody is friends. Everyone's friends before the workout, during the workout and after the workout. And there's really no sense of I'm better than you, you know? Um, and, uh, and I just, I love that. I love that we can have that sense of family and that sense of community. And, you know, there's, there's the trash talking on the side, but it's all in good fun. None of it's actually serious. And, uh, it's really special to have that, uh, just really organic authenticity that, that, that we do have, we're blessed to have, um, you know, and it's, it's credit to the owners who, um, are very, uh, successful themselves, but are probably the most humble human beings, you know, I've ever met. Um, and again, I'm biased because they're my best friends, but I would, anybody would say that, you know, they are just extremely generous people and, uh, they do everything they lead with their heart and it's, it's really apparent in the community. So that's awesome. That's really cool to hear. It's so cool to see the similarities because I've, I, again, I've traveled literally the world and, and dropped in at, you know, a few dozen CrossFit gyms. And it's, it's really neat to see those that are leading from the front. They all have those kind of similar characteristics of, you know, being humble, but also being hungry at the same time. And it sounds like that's the same case down there. Exactly. So 
if yes. I'm ever in Michigan, I will definitely drop by because that's yeah. like a, a sweet spot. So oh my sweet. God, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. And into the police academy, what what drove you into that direction? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, speaking of community, so I, I grew up in a law enforcement family. Um, my grandfather was a Flint police officer. Um, my dad's a police officer. My uncle's a police officer. Um, I have another uncle that um, attended the police academy and then another uncle that's that's an attorney. So all within the same um, community. <clears throat> and so I grew up hearing campfire stories when I was young and I was just all about it. I loved asking my dad every day when he came home, you know, did you catch any bad guys today? And then I had to know <laughs> all the details and interrupt him every single time he would start to tell the story because I had to know every single detail um, of what he was saying. And so, um, you know, I, I loved growing up in that. And as a side note, that's where my, um, like my love and passion for fitness started as well, because I watched my dad come home every day after work. And he had a, a regimen where we would come home from school, he'd come home from work, we'd grab a snack, and then it was straight to the basement. And he would do his workout um, while we were doing homework. And so um, I was in sales before I decided to make the career shift. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot in that career, but I was missing uh, that sense of community and that sense of fulfillment that I was looking for. And so, um, you know, another thing that I had grown up with was not only the stories, but watching the, the brotherhood that exists within first responders. Um, and it is really special to see, you know, um, they, they give so much of themselves and their time and their energy um, for the public. And so they have a really special bond with each other. And uh, there's a lot of teamwork involved. And so I wanted to try my hand at it and experience another type of, you know, tight knit community that honestly is really similar to um, the, the type of community that exists in CrossFit gyms. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. It's neat to see that. And there's, I'm sure it kind of go, it goes both ways. So like CrossFit's definitely going to help you in that, that realm. And then that realm's also going to help you in the CrossFit space as well. Absolutely. It's, it's going to work both ways. So it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've been a fierce competitor in the CrossFit space as I've been made aware. Um, tell me about your experience with uh, competing in the sport. Cause yeah. there, I want people to know there's, because there's a lot of misconceptions about what is CrossFit. So there's CrossFit as a fitness regime and where people can come in and they transform their lives, but there's another side of it where they, there's the competitive aspect to it. And so while they're all under the same roof, they're, they're completely separate as well. So I just wanted to preset that before we started diving into the competition side of things. Yeah. Perfect. Um, okay. So where to start? I, I fell in love with CrossFit um, early college. And uh, again, I credit to my best friend. She um, introduced it in, in high school. I was introduced to it. I was a track athlete and it started being introduced into our practices. And I thought it was really cool. Wow. Um, yeah. And so then in college, um, you know, I, I, after I had my fun, my first year in college and was kind of all over the place, you know, I was really craving structure outside of school. And I was, I was missing 
that, um, I mean, I still had the heart of an athlete. And so I was looking for something that could kind of fill that void. Um, and I started going to a local CrossFit gym in East Lansing, um, and just absolutely fell in love with it. Every, every part about it. And I don't think I was ever a chill CrossFitter. (laughs) I came in and I was like, I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. Right. But I was just competitive from the get go mentally. Um, and I had to know everything and I had to try to be good at everything. And you know how that works out when you try to be good at everything all at once, it doesn't work out very well. Um, so I, I backed off a little, um, but did train to, uh, to be competitive. And, um, I ran into some, some overtraining, uh, issues as I was trying to go a little bit too hard too soon. Um, and then I actually ran into a couple of pretty serious injuries in the last, um, three years actually, um, from just, uh, not some, some of it, I believe is not, uh, focusing as much on recovery as I probably should have. Um, but you know, some other, other parts of it, I attribute to, um, you know, not, not taking care of myself as a whole, right? I think that especially as a competitive athlete, you can get so, so, so hyper-focused on just your athletics or just the physical side of it. And when other things go to the wayside, um, that's when problems start to arise. And that definitely happened for me. I just finished up a course that talked about that. And physical is just the one one component that people tend to put all their marbles in. They tend to focus on that basket only and there's sleep, there's nutrition, there's mindset. There's a whole recovery aspect to this that often gets neglected and we see that too. And it's, it's not common, but it it definitely happens. And it, I'll say this, the, the theme that I pick up on is people that were athletes in some type of competitive field that come in and still have that mindset and they're not letting their body kind of catch up to the new thing that they're going through. And so is that similar to your story? Absolutely. And I also, you know, getting vulnerable here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I came in with something to prove um, to myself. Like I definitely had, there was a little bit of a chip on my shoulder that I had with myself because I was not satisfied with my performance in high school. I never felt like I had reached my potential or my peak in high school. And I knew why that was. And it, you know, ironically, it was the same problem. I didn't focus on recovery and therefore I kind of stunted my performance or my growth in high school. Um, And then I was trying to fill this void and trying to, you know, prove to myself that I could be a better athlete while still not addressing, you know, the root cause and the root problem. And it it took, I mean, God, I I wish it took one, I wish it didn't take any injuries for me to find (laughs) But you know how they say like, you know, first year, what do they say? Like, um, first year clue is like a feather right? And if you don't feel the feather, then like it's a brick that hits you in the face. And if you don't feel, feel the brick, it's like a Mack truck that hits you in the face. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had about three Mack trucks before, before <laughs> I started to realize, oh, okay, maybe I need to change something. 
the, the course I just took actually talked exactly about that. It said, your body is always talking to you. It's just you're responsible to listen. And it starts by talking in whispers. And if you don't listen to the whispers, it's going to start to talk to you. And if it doesn't, you don't listen to it while it's talking to you, eventually it's going to start to scream. And once you get to that screaming level, it's oftentimes too late. Like you're, yes. you're too far gone and something is going to happen. Do you want to dive into that? What was the uh, sure. Mack truck moment moments yeah. for, for you? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the first one. Um, Cause there were, they, they all were in succession and uh, literally three years apart. So my first one um, was actually not a, it was technically not an exercise related injury. I, um, you know, I remember, I remember this, like it was yesterday. I was kind of in the chaotic mindset where I had all this stuff I needed to do. I was rushing around. I had actually just left the gym and my mom asked me to come over to help her with some things. So, um, I came over, I was helping her. Um, she was actually remodeling a bathroom and she asked me to move a glass shower door out of her bathroom. And so, um, you know, I'm carrying this door out and it's two big panes of glass. And I remember thinking to myself, be careful, like do not set this down hard because it's going to shatter. Right. And, um, as I'm thinking this, I'm going to set the door down and it barely touches the cement. It was in the garage. It barely touches the cement and the whole thing shatters. And it actually sliced my Achilles tendon. Um, yeah, yeah. Like a horror movie. Right. Um, so yeah, so that was, it was 80%, uh, detached or, or sliced 80% of the way through, um, which was a huge setback. I wasn't able, it was actually, it was about, uh, I think it was a month or two before the open that year. And so I was out for the open. Um, I was in a boot. I was out for, I think it was like four or five months. Luckily I didn't have to have surgery because it was still attached. So your body's a really amazing thing. And, um, if anybody didn't know, um, apparently when your Achilles tendon is severed only 80%, they can like, sounds gross, but they can like stretch your skin over the tendon and just sew it up and your body knows what to do. And it like re, you know, obviously it makes new tendon and reattaches it, um, which is really interesting. I thought for sure I'd have to have surgery, but um, I thought that was really cool that your body is an amazing, an amazing thing, an amazing machine. Um, so anyway, I recovered from that right back into CrossFit. Um, was relieved to be training again. And then, um, almost exactly a year later, uh, during a run, I went to jump off or like hop off of a step, like a porch. And I landed on my foot wrong on the same side as the injured Achilles rolled my foot and ended up breaking my fifth metatarsal. So I was out again in a boot, um, completely off of training other than, you know, upper body and whatever I could, could do at the time. Um, so that finally healed and about a year, maybe a year and a couple months later, um, I had gotten through the, so the 2022 open and, um, I had surprised myself because I hadn't been training 
I hadn't been able to train as well as I wanted to for the previous two years. Um, but I qualified for the quarterfinals. And so it was this really cool surprise, you know, like I had been injured the past couple of years. Now I get to go to the quarterfinals. This is awesome. You know, finally starting to get my mojo back. And, um, I was doing, there was a workout with, um, wall balls, rope climbs and shuttle sprints. And it was like my workout. I was so excited for this. These are all movements that I enjoyed. I knew I was going to be good at it. I knew I was going to pull a good time. Um, and I was on my very last, uh, shuttle run and I planted my foot. I turned and I just like hit the ground. And I thought somebody had dropped a dumbbell on the back of my ankle. I don't know why there was no dumbbells around and no people around, (laughs) but it's crazy what your brain goes to when something wild happens. Right. Um, So I heard this, like this bang, like someone had dropped a dumbbell um, from, you know, 10 feet up on, onto the ground and it had miraculously hit the back of my ankle. Um, and when I turned to look to see like, you know, what the hell had happened, uh, nobody was there. And then my wheels started turning and I knew, but was in major denial that, um, that I had, had torn my Achilles, um, the other one this time. So, um, yeah, I was pretty certain that it was a full rupture and, um, I ended up having to be carried out of the gym by three guys and taken to the emergency room where I was told that, um, pretty much my worst fear had come true. Um, so yeah, that was, that's my story of the three, the three Mack trucks. And that was definitely the biggest one. (laughs) I would say so. That's what does something like that? We all know that that's physically like, damn, (laughs) I don't know. That hurts. It sucks. It's a long road to recovery. I had a basketball coach that ruptured his Achilles and, you know, it was months on crutches and no weight bearing load, like nothing. So we know what that can do to you physically. What does that do to you as a mentally, like as an athlete, it's, you almost create that identity around your ability to move and when you're not able to do that, what does that do to you inside? That's a great question. And I'm so happy you asked it because, you know, pretty much everybody that found out or, um, you know, knew that I had this injury, their first reaction is, oh my gosh, that had to hurt so bad. That had to be so painful. And my response was always, honestly, if I could trade the emotional pain for the physical pain, I would do it in a heartbeat because the emotional and mental, um, pain of that injury was way worse than anything physical. Um, and it was, it was the hardest thing that I've had to, had to go through. Um, because there was more to it than just the injury. I, to add some context to the story, the, the night before I competed or the night before I went in to do my quarterfinals workouts, I had actually, um, I'd gotten a really cool call. I had basically gotten my dream job that I'd been in the process for, for years. Um, and, uh, 
they called me and they, you know, it was, it was a, a federal law enforcement job and, um, they, they were going to send me, um, to training and it was, they were basically said, Hey, can you pick up and go in 10 days? And I was like, you know, my only answer is yes, of course. I, I can't say no to that. And so, um, I had gone in that day thinking that that was where I was going to go. Um, and so when that happened, it wasn't just my, um, identity as an athlete that was crumbling. It was my, this entire future that I had built up about what I was going to do and what I was looking forward to and everything I had worked for, you know, that came crashing down too. Um, and then with that, it was like, where the hell do I go now? Like, what, what do I do? Because everything that I wanted, everything that I planned for, everything I've been looking forward to was just gone in an instant. Um, and it was eerie. There was a, at the time of the injury, there was a moment where, um, you're kind of like in and out of reality where you're like, there's no way this is real, right? Like I'm, this is a nightmare. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. And then you don't wake up, you don't wake up and you realize like, oh shit. Okay. Like we got to figure out how to get through this. And, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Going from like a denial to shit. I got to accept what just happened. Yes. Now what? Yeah. And honestly, like fighting the acceptance, some people are really good at accepting. I wish I was one of those people (laughs) because I just, I fought it for a long time. And I think that ended up making my situation even harder. I think that's a natural process though. Like we all want to think that we're that type of person. And that's what I think. Anyway, there's a a local guy here that was rock climbing um, close by and freak accident, like all of his gear popped and now he's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. But this guy's, I don't know what was going through his mind during and, and months and years after that, but now he's like living his best life and he's got a great family and, you know, training for the, the Paralympics stuff, like crazy resilience, obviously. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure at that time it was like, my world is ended. I don't see a, a future. Like, I think, I really think we would all go through that moment of darkness yeah. before coming out of it. But what happens is that length of time that we stay in the dark, that's the difference. Yes. And so how long would you say that that darkness lasted for you until you started to kind of come out of it and be like, okay, now what? Now what can I actually do? Yeah. Um, I think for the for my for the third injury, it was actually a lot longer. So like my first injury, um, I went to a dark place because, you know, I wasn't able to do my normal thing. And I was scared about, am I going to be able to, to be somewhat competitive? Am I going to, you know, is this, what are the implications of this? With my third injury, because it had happened a third time and in such a short period of time, like there were all these things that just kept going wrong, right. In my life, um, my time of darkness was a long time. I mean, like months. And um, 
there was which, a which probably felt longer. Right? Oh yeah. Calendar oh wise months, but in your head, damn, that's a long time, right? Yes. Yes. It, I mean, it did. I, I, there were moments where I was like, I, I don't know if this is, if this is going to end. Right. Like I, I just remember waking up again every morning and having that feeling of this isn't real. And, and it was weird. It was like this, this, this can't be real. This can't have happened again. Um, you know, all, whatever, all of these things. And, and really it was, um, it wasn't until I started, um, you know, I, I should say I'm incredibly blessed with a, a, an amazing family and a support network and people that um, were there for me um, and also, you know, weren't afraid to kind of um, give me a little tough love when I needed it. And, uh, you know, especially my dad, like he is very, okay. You know, you cried, you got it out, yeah, now right. forward, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, typical of a police officer, you know, like, all right, get it out and now, you know, go keep going. And, um, and, you know, it wasn't until at first I remember, um, you know, I don't know if he, it was my dad or somebody had said like, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. And I was like, uh, what, excuse me? You know, like, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. And then it was like, oh shit, I'm feeling sorry for myself, <laughs> you know? And so it was when I started to take that seriously and then really learn about what victim mentality is, um, that was my turning point. Cause I was like, Oh God, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm being. I don't want to be this. And so now it's up to me to kind of like turn the corner and, um, it's a practice, right? Like it's, it's definitely a practice pulling yourself out of that dark place because when you're in it, it feels really heavy and it feels like a sinkhole. It feels like quicksand. Um, and that, that was really, yeah, that was really the turning point for me was, was, examining how I was talking to myself and how I was thinking about the situation. It's kind of like the, you probably had that same question come up over and over. Why me? Why me? Why? Like when that keeps getting flashed in your head every day, obviously it pummels you. It push, it keeps pushing you down, but starting to, like you said, getting out of that victim mentality and starting to think about your thinking Ooh, now, now we're on to something. So what, I guess, what did that lead? Where did that lead you to? Yeah, it led me. So, um, it definitely led me to, well, it led me to an amazing community of people that are all really versed in, um, thinking about your thinking. Um, so shout out to the whole and lifted crew and Mark England. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, it also led me to just, uh, slowing down and being okay with slowing down because up until that point, I was so used to just like go, go, going at an extreme rate, right. With everything in my life. 
Um, and then when I was forced to slow down, my, my body had to slow down. My brain was still on this overdrive and it was almost like trying to overcompensate for the fact that my body couldn't, you know, move or, or go the way that, that it normally did. Um, and I think somebody else had said to me, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is a gift. Like maybe, maybe if you saw this as a gift and you're being given the gift of time right now to like slow the F down, you know, maybe you should take advantage of it. Um, and so I started to implement different practices that would force me to slow down. So breathing, right. And then that allowed me to actually examine my thoughts because before they were going so fast, I couldn't catch them. And then it wasn't until I had that awareness of, okay, I got to do something different. Let's press the gas pedal for a second and see what happens. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, now I can catch the thoughts. Now I can catch the thoughts and I can catch the gremlins. You know, I call them gremlins, like the thoughts that you don't, you, you don't want, or that aren't serving you. Um, and when you can capture the little gremlins and then get curious about them, now we're moving. You're literally speaking to my core, like right now. <laughs> I just want to, you know, that because I am also that person that lived life in the fast lane and everything was for time. I remember I would go to the bank machine and I would time myself to see how fast I could go in, plug my pin in, withdraw money, and then get back to my car. My record was 37 seconds. That's impressive. Right. Right. That so, impressive. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But everything was like that. And I was like, not until doing this in lifted where Mark had us go out on these 45 minute solo walks. And one time he said, I want you to do it as slow as you can go. Instead of going for a walk, go for a stroll. And so I was like, Ooh, that sounds challenging because I've put on hundreds, thousands of miles with weight on my back, carrying sandbags, rock plates, you name it. And I do it all as fast as I can. Like the 12 mile timed ruck, 45 pounds. I think I did it in two hours, 23 minutes. Something like that is my mm. record. Like it's moving. Yeah. So for me to go <laughs> no weight, no headphones, no music, no person around me. As slow as I can, I remember my one one mile took me, uh, I think it's my slowest one now is 32 minutes for one mile. Wow. It is painfully slow. Sorry, it was oh. painfully slow. But yeah. now I enjoy it because as you said, you can now see and feel and hear all these little thoughts that are going on that you would just miss if you were going a mile a minute. And I, that, that same thing goes for gratitude. When I'm doing these slow walks, I'm able to be grateful for things that I wouldn't normally think about because fast gratitude isn't a thing. You have to slow down for that, that to come in. And so, Absolutely. yeah, I love that you said somebody mentioned to you that injury could, could be a gift for you to slow down because I think if they would have that same person would have said it three or four years ago prior to that injury, it would have went in one ear and out the other, but you were yep. ready to hear it at that moment. So, yeah. 
It all depends on how you look at it. It's all a perspective thing, right? What happened to us isn't good or bad. We just labeled it as as such. It's, it's the label that we give it. So you just were able to, with the help of that, that individual kind of shift that perspective a bit and say like, oh damn, yeah, this could be a good thing. Yes. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And it was, um, that was a, that was a pivotal moment. Um, because you're absolutely right up until that point, I wouldn't have heard that. I would have, I would have argued all day long up and down that no, woe is me. This is not a gift. This is, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then, but you're right. I was ready to hear it. And then I started to see it as, as such, which is, is really powerful too. Where, where do you see this story going as in how do you want this story to be accepted by others? What's, what's the message that you want to get out with this story? Yeah, man, that's a great question. I think, I think there's a couple messages and let's hear them all. Let's hear them all. (laughs) Um, I think one that comes to mind first is, um, is the, is the slowing down one. Um, because it's funny, there's, there's a lot of people that I share this with that are are very similar in personality to me. And it's hard for us to slow down. It's really hard, you know? And, but if my story can prevent someone else from having three Mack trucks hit them, (laughs) you know, um, and maybe they can learn from my mistake. Um, it's in, in, prevent that from happening. But yeah, taking the time to slow down, you don't need to wait for an injury. You don't need to wait for something bad to happen um, before you kind of take that preventative measure of slowing down. And and it really is kind of like slowing down to speed up, right? Um, Because the reason that we go so fast is because we're like obsessed with growth and we're obsessed with improvement and we're obsessed with getting better. And it's like, we're always in a rush. And sometimes it's really counterproductive and um, it sounds counterproductive to say slow down, but sometimes you have to take that one step back in order to make, you know, the six steps forward or the 10 steps forward. Um, So that's one. And then, you know, another one is um, definitely the, the message of resilience and um, you know, (laughs) Sometimes again, like, sorry for my language, but sometimes shit happens and it's really unexpected and it comes at the worst possible time. And, you know, sometimes life just has a way of giving you challenges. Um, and the best thing that you can do is honestly just keep going and, and developing that mindset of, is this all you got kind of thing? Like, once you can shift yourself from being a victim of like, why me? Woe is me. I'm so sad. This is, yes, you need to express that at some point. You, you, it's not, I'm not saying bottle up your emotions, but then it's almost like, I mean, my dad used to say this to me. He still says this to me sometimes. He says, you got to get angry at it. Right. And sometimes anger is a powerful emotion because it just puts you back into a place of power. And it's more of, okay, like life's not out to get me, right? Life is prevent presenting you with this challenge. 
And how would I approach a challenge as an athlete? Am I going to sit there and say, this is too hard. I can't do it. You know, I'm, I was unprepared, whatever. Or am I going to say out of the pan and into the fire, like let's roll, you know? Um, so sometimes you just have to take that mindset into life in general. Um, and I think that's where building that resilience comes in. And sometimes the things that we struggle with the most end up being our greatest gifts because they build character. You know, they build those different character traits. Absolutely. I love the, the challenge aspect because really a, all a challenge is, is an opportunity. Yeah. When yeah. you shift your perspective, oh, damn, this thing is in my way. Hmm. I have an opportunity here. What is it? You might not know what it is right away, but if you slow down and give it some time and some thought, you'll be able to see what that opportunity is. Absolutely. I, I would love to hear what you, how you define, I ask everybody this because I like, I like knowing, um, how would you define resiliency? What does that mean to you? Ooh. Um, I would define it as the ability to So I was about to say the ability to like handle a challenge or something with a challenge. I don't always think that's true. I don't think that's like a precursor. I think it's the ability to adapt and overcome situations, circumstances, could be a challenge, um, what have you, but that, um, that gear where you're able to quickly adapt and overcome and the more resilient, resilient you are, the faster that kind of comes into play, um, where it's kind of like that acceptance of what's happened and then keep the keep moving, adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's how I would describe it. That's cool. I haven't heard a wrong answer yet. Like <laughs> of all the people that I asked, they're all different and they're all amazing yeah. answers. And it's just helping me formulate what my personal definition of it is. So I was asked this myself and I, I couldn't even answer it. I have a hard time with it, even though that's the name of the podcast, Resilient Humans. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. So a lot um, of things. That's that's a really cool. I like that. Adapt and overcome. Do you know anybody in your life that hasn't been met with any challenges at all? Um we like we all pretty much have challenges in our life. Yeah. It may not be massive Mac trucks, right? Yeah. But we all go through it. And so yeah. I think that message that you just said is important about adapting and overcoming. Expect there to be challenges in your life. Yes. It's going to happen. No, yep. you can live in this little rosy bubble of a world in your head, but it's going to get popped pretty quick because life's going to slap you in the face. And if you Absolutely. don't have that ability to ad adapt and overcome, that's a long, dark road. Actually, that's the road to the victim mentality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, to add to that, you know, one other thing that I was going to mention is I, I think there's an element of, you know, sometimes, and I, I've noticed this, like there's a um, hesitation to, um, especially with females, there's a hesitation to showcase any kind of aggression, right? And kind of like what I had said earlier about, you know, quote unquote, getting angry at a challenge. 
And I think especially for personality types like ours, where we are very focused on achievement and growth and whatever, um, it's okay to spin that when it serves us, right? Like it's okay to spin that and get quote unquote aggressive when we're faced with certain challenges, because like I said, it, it puts you into a place of power instead of the victim mentality of woe is me. Um, and I just, I feel like that needs to be said because I don't, I haven't really experienced many females that are okay with that emotion or with that way of being, um, or, or they're just not okay in expressing it. Like maybe they do it, but to say it out loud, you know, they like shy away from it. And I don't know, you know, I'm not sure why, but it's like, it's okay to experience anger or aggression or whatever, if it is a jumping point to overcoming challenges, you know? Love that. That's awesome. Final question. If you could give one piece of practical advice to somebody who wants to become more resilient, what would that piece of practical advice be? Ooh. I think I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. No, I like it. So <laughs> I, I, I would say find, find like micro ways throughout your day to practice being resilient, even if you have to create it. So let me, let me give you an example. I was about to ask, give me an example. Yeah. So, 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 and sometimes resilience and discipline can be like close twins, like they can be like brother and sister, right? So um, if you can find little ways to challenge yourself throughout the day, um, that helps build both discipline and resilience. Um, and so, you know, some of it's awareness in our thought process, right? Like if something doesn't go your way, a really easy example is driving or traffic or whatever, right? Like being aware enough to in the moment when you want to get angry or, you know, um, frustrated or whatever, taking that breath and seeing like, okay, how can I adapt and overcome this in the moment? You might not be able to get to where you're going any faster, but you can change the way that you're thinking about it. Um, or you can shift your perspective. Um, another thing is, is like practicing being without your comforts. So mm. for me, I love creamer in my coffee, but every once in a while I will make myself drink black coffee because for me, it's more of the practice of, okay, I don't need this comfort. Like my creamer's not really doing anything good for me. I want to practice being uncomfortable and knowing that I can still get through my day or I, you know, some days and I am a like caffeine fanatic. Some days I won't have coffee. And it's like, those little tiny ways to challenge yourself where you think in, I mean, or I think in the morning that I cannot get through my day or my life without my cup of coffee. <laughs> so when I take it away and I show myself, actually you can, and you did great. And you know, you're, you're okay. That helps to build that feeling of like, of resilience. It's those tiny little challenges that seem insignificant, um, but it, it builds that muscle. That's really, I, I'm just running through my head of like, what are other examples? Like we could do a whole podcast on just yeah. that topic, right? It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I think what a lot of people would have a hard time with is like taking a rest day. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I go to CrossFit Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. every single day. Well, what if you're really sore and you need to take a break? Well, the resilient thing is actually like saying, I'm going to take Thursday off because my body's talking to me and it says, you should take the day off. So these hard things doesn't always mean doing things. Sometimes it means taking a step back and not doing certain things just because you do them regularly. Right. So there's definitely two, two sides to that, that people can play to, to help becoming more resilient. Man. I love that. Megan, this has been an absolutely amazing episode. Um, man, it flowed well. I hope that the people listening can recognize and see your story to become, you know, they should view you as a strong role model, especially the females. That's the the message that I, I hope people are getting from this is that, you know, it's okay to go through these challenges. Like, like you said, you were hit with three Mack trucks came out of this, I would say better, not maybe not better, but different, right? Yeah, different for sure. And so you you just have now a new perspective on things, and I hope that story resonated with a lot of our listeners. So again, thank you very much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.